I, I love, I love Christmas. I love it. I always have, like, uh, I mean, just from a young age, I just, so many warm feelings. I mean, I started looking forward to it on January 1st, I think, as, and I would get sad when the Christmas commercials would stop or when the commercials, like the after Christmas sales, and they say Christmas has come and gone. I always get sad by that. I'm like, oh, Christmas is gone. Uh, I have always loved it, and, you know, and I think, you know, in the past, it was always a lot more about nostalgia and about family. But of course, as the Lord works, uh, He is deepening my love of Christmas, from, uh, in, rooting it in my love of Christ and His work in my life. Um, and each year, God challenges me just to stop, to slow down. I've been in ministry since I was 19. And uh, working in church, is, Christmas is a very hard time. It's very unfun. Um, it can be especially if you work in, in big churches that have a lot going on, and I always did. And, and so it was like, oh, from like November, the, from the day after Thanksgiving until the day after Christmas, I would not see my family for so many years. And, um, and so it began to like push against my love for Christmas, and I began to kind of dread Christmas. And so the Lord has been kind in like just restoring that, that remembrance of what we're celebrating. And, I, and I'm thankful to say that like I was driving down the road like November the 1st, and I saw someone putting out Christmas lights. And my, my first thought was, oh my gosh, are you serious? So soon. But then I was like, wait a minute, I'm really excited. Christmas is coming. This is exciting. And then I was like, do I start playing Christmas music now? No, I'm going to wait. But I, I have to confess that I did give a couple of Christmas albums a couple of rounds before Thanksgiving, which I think is the rule. But I did sneak them in. But I, I, I love Christmas. But the Lord pressed on me this year. He was like, man, he, he's like, think about it. And he's like, we, the world... The world outside of Christ is trying to claim Christmas. They, they still often acknowledge the value of Christmas, but it's all about family. It's all about love. It's all about kindness. It's all about not being selfish. And that's what it's about. And that's what's celebrated. And as I thought about like how every year the sales start earlier, and I mean, again, like the, all the Christmas stuff at Home Depot was out right after Halloween. You know, and you start seeing it every year. And now like Black Friday is extended to like June, I think. I don't know. It's just... Like, they're, they're pushing, 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 and the world is claiming it as their own. And I know oftentimes we as Christians, we start to grumble, and we start to say, you know, oh, man, they're, you know, or they're, like, they're taking Christ out of Christmas, or, man, they just want another buck. And, and I just want to encourage us, and this is what the Lord pressed upon me, was like, man, let's celebrate it. Like, what other time in this, in, in our life, in our world, what other time of year are, is everyone in the world somehow thinking on something about Jesus? Is somehow, is somehow in their own way celebrating the truth of Jesus, the truth of God taking on flesh, coming in the world, Emmanuel. They don't know it. So, but they are. They're, they're, they're edging towards it. And, man, there's a sensitivity and there's a readiness and an openness. And they are celebrating a lesser thing. But, man, let us celebrate and press on and prayerfully say, let's, let's show them the real thing with our lives. Let's introduce them to the real truth of Jesus. So... That is a caveated introduction that, that is really exciting to me, but I just wanted to share that with you and like call us to that and prayerfully say, 
man, let's remember, like, let us with every Christmas light that we see, not grumble, but, but let us be pointed to the reality of life and light entering into our world. And as we look around, let us see with spiritual eyes, the eyes of the gospel of the people that are seeing those same lights, and let us pray that their hearts will be stirred up and, they're, and, they're, and they would be broken and see that they are indeed sinners and need a Savior, and Jesus is the hope of the world as he is the light. So let us pray that. I mean, as we talked about being in this season of Advent, it is all about anticipation. It's all about the coming of the Messiah. And as we, as we come to Christmas Day, we are looking, kind of setting back in time to the time that they were looking for the arrival of the Messiah. Now again, up until what we come to in today's text, they had no idea of when and where. But today's text will bring us to that moment when all of a sudden the announcement is made. But so, so they are waiting the coming of the first coming of the Messiah when he came as a babe, when he came in weakness, when he came humble and low. And today we, we remember that well because we want to identify, we want to remember the great need of our salvation. What it was, we want to remember what it's like to not know. This morning as we gathered to pray, we asked, who's, 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 who in here is it their first Christmas as a Christ follower? And there were three in our circle that this is their first Christmas as a Christ follower. And however long it has been since you first called on Christ to today, the longer it has been, the harder it is for us to remember the great need that brought us. When we came to that realization, we were brought to our knees and said, I surrender, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I can't do it myself. Jesus, you are the one. Save me. Like, we need to remember well. So that's why we come into this season of Advent. But also for us, as we, if you are in Christ, we also have a second sense of anticipation. Christ came in weakness, but there is a day when he, will come, when he will come again in strength. He came as a king in a lowly manger. He will come as a, as a, again as a king, as a warrior who is victorious to deliver all of his people. So today we kind of live in, in this season. We'll, we'll live in this tension of the already achieved promised in Christ as we remember his work and his coming. But we also look with great with great anticipation to the day that every tear is wiped away and there is no more death and no more sickness and all is restored in Christ. As we work through this season of Advent, I, I want to encourage you to try to come every week. Um, and not because we want to have big Sundays, but because the message, the message builds. It's a progression. And this week we're going to look at this promise, as you heard in our Advent moment, the promise that was made, the promise that was fulfilled, the promise that will be kept. And so today we're going to look at Mary as she was a teenager and a virgin and as she had this encounter with the angel of the Lord. And today I want us to look at her as she was a person, she was a Jew, a people of Israel, and she knew, she knew the promises that were made of the Messiah. And she was living in anticipation of possibly one day seeing it revealed, but by, but by this time, I mean, it had been 400 years of silence since God had spoke through any prophet. And so she had kind of resigned it to, to probably the same place that many of you have, that is, you have a conception of faith, a conception of promise, but probably, you know, in a return of Jesus, but probably nothing that will happen in your lifetime. Like, she was kind of there, and she was living as a person, like, in this, with this faith of promise, but yet, all of a sudden, reality breaks in. And this is what I want us to see today, as we think on the promise of the coming Messiah and the fulfillment of Jesus coming into our, our world of the incarnation of Christ, the Word become flesh. I want us to look at how Mary responded. 
And I want us to see that in her response, we will find our way to this vibrant faith, to this experiencing, daily experiencing of the promise. And so as we look at this, I want you to look for this. I want you to look for, um, as we look to the pathway of promise, that first, there is a sincere seeking. You don't have to put these up yet, Caleb. A sincere seeking. Second, there is a humble obedience. And third, there is a willful and joyful response of worship. So as we are in this season of thinking on the promise of the Messiah, let us look at Mary really quickly and, uh, and see how we can try to be like her and respond like her. So we're just going to read our text, and as we go through it, I'm going to stop and walk us through it. But first, we're going to look for the importance of being a sincere seeker. So go ahead, uh, turn, if you will, to Luke 1. We're going to start in uh, verse 26. Uh, if you use the Bible app, um, there is a, a, a live event there. You can go to the More tab, click on Events. It should pop up as first because you're right here in our church and it's GPS-centered. And so you can click on it and all the text is there as well as some questions to help you continue to pray and reflect as well as some other uh, helpful things in there as well. Um, while you're turning, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and, uh, and we'll work through this real quick. Lord, we love you. We give you this time. We thank you, Lord, uh, just for your truth. Lord, we thank you that even us here as this local church, the Bridge Montrose, that we are not left to lead ourselves, but Lord, that you have given Christ, you have given Jesus to be our head pastor. And Lord, as the leadership of this church, as we seek to, to lead as servants and to steward well, we do only as we follow Christ. And I pray that that would be true in our imperfection, Lord, in our humility, um, and Lord, that you would be glorified as a result. Lord, I pray as we come to your word this morning, let us take joy in coming underneath the authority of your word. Let us find that the true uh, promise, the true freedom is in there, is in surrender, God. And so I thank you uh, for your truth. I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you that in your love, you made a way for us to know you. So we give you our hearts, our lives right now. Lord, open up our minds. Open up our hearts. Open up our lives so that we could be transformed. We don't want to come in here and just nod heads and have a good day and then say, see you later and not be changed. Lord, we need you. We need the Holy Spirit to come and catch these words on fire in our hearts and minds that we could be changed and you could be glorified and we could live a life of mission for, for in Jesus' name. We pray this. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, jump to verse 26. And I say jump because I was planning on starting later. And so for me, I'm jumping back. But we're going to start in verse 26. Uh, here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. <laughs> Listen to Mary's response. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now there's these words, these two words here, troubled and discern. And, and they're pretty plainly understood, but just... Just for a little bit more clarity, when you look at the original language in the Greek, this troubled, I mean, it is, it is to be confused and perplexed, to be vexed, to be upside down. She's like, I mean, what's going on here? Again, she wasn't expecting for the Lord, the angel of the Lord to show up. She wasn't even, not just that that's crazy in itself, again, she probably wasn't even looking for like the fulfillment of the promised Messiah to happen, even though she wanted it to. Um, 
So she's perplexed and confused, and she's like, what's going on? And she says she's trying to discern. She's trying to discern uh, what sort of greeting this might be, and to see this discernment here. This word discern, it is to reason. It is to parse out. It is to, it is to um, again, to, to think out carefully. And I point that out because I think so often in, as we think on the pursuit of faith, we think you have to throw out reason. We think that you have to throw out being smart. And we say that, you know, you have to sacrifice your intellect, your intellectual integrity in order to have faith. And we see here Mary, the mother of Jesus, standing before an angel of the Lord. She said, um, I need to think this through. I, I, I need some more. I don't quite, I, I don't know. And she's, she's asking for more for her mind to grasp. And so she asked that, and the angel continues. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. I don't know about you, but I don't know how helpful that would have been for me if I was Mary asking for more info, and the angel continues and to say, you're going to give birth to God, basically. Like, that would... I would still be perplexed. I would still be troubled. I would still be confused. And, and Mary's question blows my mind. In verse 34, she says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? She asked a logistical question. <laughs> like, forget that I'm going to give birth to God. It's like, I can't have a baby. I'm a virgin. Like, and I just, that's like, blows my mind. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, again, this pathway to promise, this journey to faith that, that we are all on and have been on, and how often I experience personally and in conversations that I have, how people, you will, we will be confronted with the truth, and we will respond with a lesser question. We will respond with a distraction. Um, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the likes of, well, how can... God be real if all these people that call themselves Christians are fake, or all these people that call themselves Christians are hateful or are, or are, are hypocrites. And, you know, and, and, and so they're talking about God being real, but yet then they talk about the question comes to us. I say they, it's really me. I mean, we all do this. The question comes about something that's not God. I mean, yes, it's, like, it's like saying, what doesn't I want to know what an apple tastes like. And then going and getting an orange and trying to take a bite of an orange to find out what an apple tastes like. We, we distract ourselves with these questions. And, and so I don't, I don't know if Mary was doing that or not. I, you know, I think no, no, matter, no matter what, we see the divine being highlighted here. I mean, the fact that a virgin gets pregnant is miraculous. And again, that's another thing that we get distracted by is like, well, I mean, how, how, how can a virgin be pregnant? How can, a, how can someone be raised from the dead? How can Jesus resurrect? As soon as you realize that maybe that God is supernatural, or as soon as you realize who God is, which I'm kind of getting ahead just a little bit, but all of a sudden we see these questions. We, we should be driving to a deeper question, and we distract ourselves with a lesser question. But yet we also see a sincerity. We also see a sincerity in Mary's questions. This is the second time that she has fired back at the angel. The angel doesn't rebuke. 
the angel just continues. And we'll see next week as we look at John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, we'll see a doubt that leads to a judgment. He doubts and ends up mute to where he can't speak doubt anymore until his son is born. So there is a doubt that brings judgment. But right here we see, I mean, there is a sincerity. Mary is, is asking, she is sincerely seeking understanding from the Lord, albeit flawed. Because again, should you expect your understanding to be anything but flawed when the finite collides with the infinite? We are finite. Everything about us, our bodies, our emotions, our intellect, our knowledge, it is all finite. It will all reach its limit. It will all come to an end. So we should not expect any different. We talked about it when we were studying through Habakkuk, the ability to doubt well and the reality that faith is not faith without doubt. And there is great freedom in that because in our sincerity, we want to muster up and erase all doubt. We're like, man, we shouldn't have doubt. And we... You know, and, and if we truly understood God, we wouldn't. But again, what are we? We're finite. So I say all this to point us to freedom, to point us to grace, to point us to the reality that God knows that, and that's why he has, he has given us grace in the gospel of Jesus. And so Mary is, is sincerely seeking understanding. She is sincerely seeking, and in this sincerity, she is submitting her understanding to the Lord's. How often do we, do we say we want to know the truth of God, but yet really what we want to do is to be able to, to twist and mold and squeeze the truth of God into our understanding. We've got our little pockets that, that have very specific ways of things fitting, and we'll go in and we'll just take the truth of God and pieces of it, pieces that fit, or we'll just kind of try to mold it ourselves and cram it in, and we try to define the truth of God. But what Mary's saying here is that, Hey, I need, to, I need my understanding to be conformed to your truth, to your will, to your understanding. And so that is our invitation, that is our challenge, that is our call. That if we want to, the first step of the pathway to promise is to sincerely seek with all humility. So, we continue. Mary asks, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, just continues, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So up to that point, if you think about it, has the angel really said anything different from his first proclamation to help Mary understand anymore? I say no. If anything, it would just, again, just make my brain hurt all the more. He's like, it just, he's just kind of doubling down and making it bigger, not making it easier. So the key is in this next statement. Verse 37, it says, For nothing will be impossible with God. That's the key. And then what is Mary's response? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And obviously she got it because the angel had no more to say. The angel departed from her. So what happened? What's the difference? What was satisfied? I think Mary still had a lot of questions. She still had a lot she didn't understand. But in her sincere seeking, 
what the angel of the Lord did, and this is what we foreshadowed a second ago, pointed her to the reality of who God is. He reminded her of her sovereign creator, God, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is in all things. He is always present, never absent. He is, he is transcendent over all things. He holds all things together in his hand. He's the author of all things. The angel reminded Mary of who God was. So what we see is that she goes from being a sincere seeker to someone who can humbly respond in obedience. She, walked, she responded with humble obedience. And she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. How many of you have found yourself saying, man, I, I want to live this life of faithfulness. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I want to share my faith. I want to just know God. I want to walk with him, but I just, I don't feel it yet. I can't do it yet. I can't. And you just, you have this sincerity of desire, but yet you're lacking in understanding or, or you're, you're lacking in clarity or you're just lacking in evidence. I think this is where Mary's at right here. I think she's like, I still have some questions about all that you said. How I'm going to get pregnant while being a virgin by the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to, the result is that I'm going to be pregnant with God who is going to save the whole world. Okay. You know what, God? I don't, I don't understand it, but I trust you. So what I say to you, God, is, yes, okay, my life is yours, I'm your servant, I surrender, whatever you want for me, I'm in, whatever you have for me, I'll do, whatever you call me to, the answer is yes. Do you want that? Who doesn't? Of course, we get lured into the idea that we want control of our own lives, but that leads to nothing but fear and insecurity because we always deep down see that the work of our hands is, is futile and it falls short and we never have this confidence that it's enough. So what we want is for someone else to be in control, but our flesh, our sin fights against it. But yet we see the, 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 the sincere seeking leads to a humble obedience, and we are all called to this. So let me implore us today to a life of obedience as the will and way and word and command of God is revealed to you and to me. Let us say yes. Let us respond with tangible fruit, tangible evidence. Let us respond with willful work where we set out to partner alongside the work that has been achieved in us in Christ. Our right standing is achieved in Christ, but yet we are called to pursue and fight for righteousness. We are, we are called to fight to kill the sin in our life by the willful work, by, through humble obedience, trusting in the person of God first and foremost. And that will lead us down the path to promise. So, so we continue. So Mary, now she's trusting the Lord and she's like, okay, so what's the next thing I can do? How can I know? He's like, she's like, wait, 
I have this relative that the angel just talked about. She's old. Her name's Elizabeth. She's been barren. But he says she's pregnant in six months. I believe him. I want to go see this. So she says, it says, in those days. So it's like immediately. Like she didn't waste time. She sets out, travels to go see Elizabeth. And what happens? In those days, read with me, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, which is John the Baptist, as we know later, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Mary, going in humble obedience, and now walking in faith, she goes, and do you see what happened? She didn't come and announce, as far as we know, she didn't come and announce what had happened to her? She walks into the room, and when Elizabeth sees her, the baby leaps within her. She's, she's at least six months pregnant, so the baby leaps within her. And then, without Mary telling her anything, she then reveals that she knows from the Holy Spirit revealing it to her that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah. She's pregnant with the Savior of the world. Well, that would get my attention. Mary, in her humble obedience, found herself in a place for God to reveal his truth even more. And God did. Now, we may not have an aunt or a relative speak prophetic words to us that reveal the hidden desires and truths of our hearts. But yet God is faithful to reveal to you whatever it takes to liberate you to walk in faith. He is faithful to reveal himself through his creation, through his word, through the Holy Spirit illuminating his word and ministering to your heart and your mind through the body of Christ. He is faithful to reveal, to bring you from a place of just not just being a sincere seeker, not just being uh, someone who walks with humble obedience, but to be someone who is willfully and joyfully worshiping with all that they are. Because in that moment, all of a sudden, Mary's, Mary's if she had any doubt still, wherever she was, it was, it was opened up. She was, it was eradicated, I mean, at least to this point where she is able to respond with this amazingly beautiful just song of worship. And you wonder why we worship in here. I, this is, let's just take a small time out. I pray, like, like when we come together, that when we sing these songs, that we have the same enraptured adoration and worship of God that Mary expresses right here. Because we are singing the eternal truths of a risen Savior. We are singing the eternal truths of a holy creator God who is worthy of our life, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our attention, worthy of our effort, worthy of our resources. And so that when we come into this place and we sing that we are not just lifting up a melody or making melody, um, that we're not just going through the motions because it's Sunday, that we are moved, but that we are moved to the core of us because because the infinite is confronting us, the finite. 
because the eternal is reaching down and coming in and saying, uh, you know, look at what I've done. I am yours. And we are reflecting and remembering. So just for us that are in here, and I pray this spreads to those who aren't, as we come in each Sunday, come in with expectation. Come in having done the work of living a life of fellowship with the Lord and reflecting well on all that he's done in your life. So that when we come in here together, there is a resounding response of unified worship and adoration to our God. If you are not a Christ follower, if you're still like, I don't know if I believe this, that's okay. I know it sounds like I'm not talking to you, but you are, you are in, I want to encourage you to observe. I want to encourage you to see, and, and you're welcome to be here. You are welcome to, to sit here and, and, and sincerely seek as long as you need to, because the Lord is faithful. But for those who are in Christ, Come in with great expectancy. Come in knowing that we come and we want to stir each other up to the good things of God. We want to stir each other up to the reality of the work of the Messiah in you and in me. So, let's get to Mary's response. Because we see that in this, from being a sincere seeker to a walking in humble obedience, now we find that she is willfully and joyfully worshiping. And notice that her serving began before her worshiping. Like this, this realized worshiping, again, we can obviously say that that is an act of worship as well, but let us see that she responded in, in humble service even before she, was to- she totally got it. So let's look here, and let's pray that our hearts would sing as hers do. I'm going to read it first in the ESV, and then we're going to read it again in the paraphrase called The Message. So I, just, I, I like the imagery of it. So here we go. This is Mary, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud... In the, <coughs> excuse me, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So Mary is moved to this response of just exalting worship because she knows the promise that has been made to her people and to her and she sees that it's being fulfilled so it is very personal and it is a collective response she is responding in a very personal way that she is personally experiencing the promise of God and this promise the promise of the coming messiah but she also is already thinking collectively and rejoicing along with the people as we see he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and this is the promise when he said I will be your God and you will be my people or as he spoke through the to to his servant Abraham when he said through your descendants, you will be blessed, and the whole world will be a blessing through them. And so this is, she's thinking personally and collectively. I mean, she's in awe that her, a lowly girl from Nazareth, which we know from, from a, a later response, and Nathaniel said when, when Jesus said he was from Nazareth, he's like, well, what good can come from Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth did not have a good reputation. It was just some podunk, podunk rural town. And, and she's like, the, you've exalted the lowly. And so she's saying that personally and also, and also collectively. Israel, they're a small nation, very rarely in power. In our scripture, they seem like they're huge because it all revolves around them, but it's because it's God's story through his people. But they're a tiny little nation, 
that's rarely in power, and they're often subject to somebody else or running from somebody else or whatever. And so like, we see that, and then we'll, we'll get to see as we continue through Advent that that is the exact way that God came, as we've already talked about today, through the lowly, through a lowly babe in the manger. And so let me read it in the message because I just like it. It helps us in our language. And Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. So let, let's make it clear real quick. This is not saying it's wrong to be rich, and it's not saying it's good to be poor. This is, saying, this is highlighting the, the, the pursuit of your life and the claim to your power. These who were brought low were those whose power was within their own abilities and with their own pursuits and whose, whose goal was glory in this world. And those who were exalted were those who, lowly, who were lowly, who were under-resourced. And I want to encourage you, just look through the Bible. Read through it, and that's what you will see over and over again. God working through the lowly, lifting the lowly. Working through the orphan, the widow, the, the, the prostitute. I mean, it's just story after story. And so we can find great encouragement. Because as Jesus was made low and came into this world, we who are low can be redeemed, can be made whole, and one day we'll be glorified alongside with Jesus, and then our, our, all that we are will glorify God. And so much like Mary, who had just seen a picture of the promise fulfilled and Elizabeth proclaiming and, and being pregnant and is now looking forward to the day that she gives birth to the Messiah and salvation enters the world, She's not saying, she's not exalting herself. She's saying, me who is nobody, because of the greatness of God and his glory, I will be remembered well, and it's still a glory to God. But we can see that just as she was experienced a promise and was looking forward to a promise, that is us today. We have the fulfilled promise of the Messiah having come. We have salvation. It has been offered, it has been given says the wages of sin is of the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He has come, so the promise has been fulfilled. You can know hope. You can be redeemed. But yet again, like we've already said, we await for the fulfilled promise. So we live in hope. That is how we can say that the kingdom has already been revealed through the body of Christ in us, the church. Because although we still live in a world where there is trial, although we still fight and struggle against sin, we are redeemed, we are made whole, we are made righteous, we are given an incorruptible hope. There will be sickness in this world still, there will be pain in this world, but yet it is only temporary. You hear the term a lot, short-term pain, long-term gain. It's the message of the gospel. I do not consider these present sufferings worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. That is the promise of Jesus. 
So as we are in the season of Advent, as we are coming to the, the day of Christmas when we celebrate the birth of light and light, life and light entering into the world in Christ, let us remember well. Let us be humbled and remember our needs. Sincerely seek. If we have questions, bring them. Bring them with humility and submitting your understanding and then respond in obedience. Set your life to reflect the glory of God. That's why he gave us his word to let us show us how to live out who we already are in Christ and then willfully and joyfully worship him. In these moments when we are gathered in your prayer, in your times of prayer and worship throughout the day, at your workplace, as you walk down the streets, glorify him with how you live. That's our call. Call others in to the promise. You have a great opportunity right now. Hearts, lives are open. Do not waste the day. If you have done, if you, you can do all that you want to improve the world around you, and if you do not proclaim that Jesus is the hope of the world, the best you can do is give someone a good 70 years. And that's it. So let us, let us walk in the light, let us enjoy that, let us worship, and let us call others in. So as we pray, close, just think on the light of Jesus coming into our world, and then Dave will lead us through communion. God, we love you, and we thank you for this morning. We thank you uh, just for a chance to come and, and remember the promise of a coming Messiah and then to know that that promise has been fulfilled, and then to know the promise that there will be a day when all things are restored will be kept. So let us live as those who have passed from death to life. Let us live as those who have achieved no work in our own so that we are humble and unselfish in the way that we live our lives, calling others in to the promise of Jesus. Let us not seek just to do good, but to proclaim good, the good in Christ, that He is the hope of the world. So, Lord, we love you. Our lives are yours. Let's live out in willful and joyful worship. In Jesus' name, amen.